If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you? If people send you the same generic conversation starters, they message everyone else. Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. What a difference a few weeks makes in an Irish gardening and weather context. Last time I was here with Rosie May in our wonderful gardens near Slane, we were just wallowing in sunshine. Rosie, what has happened in July? Well, there's been a bit of a deluge. I'm sorry to all of the parents with children and everybody who likes a bit of sunshine. I was thrilled initially. So when we got the rain, I was literally just delighted because we were going around with 600 litre cube and a sprayer and trying to water the garden. And now, typical, I think gardeners and farmers were all the same. It's like, OK, that was great. Now, stop now. <laughs> <laughs> but I believe it's to continue for another little while. If oh. only we could say stop and it would stop, wouldn't it yeah. be wonderful? But here's the thing as I walk around the corner of your house and just look around me here. Ah, the colour, the beauty, it's here, but it's a different time of year, a different season. You were just saying to me, you call it, is it an, an autumn settling? I always feel from now on, once August starts really, mm. I mean... You're just kind of settling into autumn, which is actually probably my favourite time of the year. I know lots of people love spring and it's probably that's my second favourite, but I just love, there's something about autumn. All the work is done and the colours mature and, you know, there's just even trees start to change, you know, and put on their autumn you know, colours and stuff. But as you can probably see, even from here, I'm a little bit of an obsessive when it comes to hydrangeas. That's an understatement, folks. (laughs) I can see for sure. And they're absolutely amazing. Let's walk. Come on. Let's Let's walk walk along and talk. I hear the boys, our friends up in the trees, are more active than ever. Yes, well, they haven't gone off for the day yet. I was actually up there just picking up a few. I had done some cutting back. Yes. And I suddenly realised, oh, I haven't picked it all up. <laughs> Jerry will be picking his way through <laughs> through the weeds on the path. Uh, I was also noticing then, yeah. I was like, oh gosh, they're not going off for the day. Because during the summer, they literally disappear mm, in the day. Mm. And then they come back in the evening and they settle in. Look at your man up there. Yeah, I see. I see the man. Your swallows are flying around as oh, well. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. So it is. Okay, so talk to me about what we're looking here at the beds uh, just at the back of the house. Okay, well, I actually also just mentioned that, you know, I was cutting back. And this is also that time, midsummer, um, the height of all the blooms have you know gone over. Like you can see the last time the roses, see they're all mm, cut back. Mm. And actually the cat mint, <laughs> I only did that last week. And that was out on the path. But when you interplant with, say, something like long flowering, like geranium roseanne, you think you're going to miss it. And my friend Brida always used to say, because I'd be like, oh, do I have to cut it? And she'd say, yes, because you won't miss it once it's gone and taken away. Because your eye is then drawn to whatever else is in bloom. So geranium roseanne and the lovely eryngium here. Oh, look, come over here. This is absolutely amazing. Look at the colours here. Now, if it was a bit warmer, and it will be be hopefully later on, this would be completely covered in bees. Mm. Um, Eryngium, and this is big blue. 
Um, it's just, it's like a, it's a thistle-like flower, which, but this is the very intense blue. And I'll show you later on, we have a, a grey one up there as well. Oh, and there's a goldy one over there called Neptune's Gold. Um, so just, the roses have gone over, but I have cut them back in the hope. Now, do you see the new growth? I see it. So by September, I'll hopefully have a second flush of roses. Mm-hmm. With all that rain, have you heard of the term balling? So the roses, especially in the hybrid teas that only have, like I say, a single flower, and then the flower is just about to open and it lashes rain and the exterior gets wet and then the sun comes out and the sun dries the exterior. It's kind of in a ball and it can't open because Mm. it's like a glue. So that happened to the kind of the later roses. But luckily, you see, June was so warm, May and June. So the roses have had their time in the sun, if you literally (laughs) pardon the expression, except for that beauty up there. Do you see that? I see it. Vibrant red. Isn't that just amazing? And that actually is the rose WB Yeats, Ah. uh, which I particularly, my brother actually um, ordered it for me when it came out, you know, when it was uh, was bred especially uh, as a commemorative rose. And it's a later flowering rose and it just keeps going. That'll keep going to the first frosts. It's beautiful. I want to get nearer to it to see it. Let's walk up through the path here because something else has caught my eye, which I want to talk to you about. Well, first of all, we pass the first of the... Look at the hydrangeas here. I know. Isn't that amazing? Amazing. Now, poor Annabelle has gone south, but you forgive her because she's kind of big and blousy. It's hard to believe, but there's actually loads of supports in there, but just the rain has been too much. Mm. These ones on the edge, they're uh, hydrangea limelight. That's a panicle hydrangea, so that's kind of a, a pointy one, as I always say. Very very technical and I love those because they start off lime mm. and then they kind of turn a lovely white see the very huge one yes. up there in the middle and then they kind of go in the end by the end of the like say November they're a brown which you can either leave or you can just you know deadhead yeah. it's up to yourself you know oh they're gorgeous but look at this as we go beyond them <laughs> because there's a yellow here and a beautiful pink with a little orange uh, heart on it well, both are actually prolific. That's um, not meant to be there because that's the white bed. But I had to leave it. So you couldn't pull it no. out. That is a yellow evening primrose. If you can kind of get your nose in there and give it a good, good sniff. Oh, my. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yes. And then the pink is uh, something that will probably instill fear in a lot of gardeners with smaller gardens because it's Japanese anemone. And I think it's... It's, it's got robust in its name anyway. I can't remember which one it is, but that'll give you an indication of what it's like. <laughs> but isn't it gorgeous when you it's have the room? gorgeous. You yeah. have the room and you do have so the room. Have to kind of hold so, it up no, go ahead. We'll pass. bustle our way by. I know what you're saying. Yes, we'll, we'll try and treat it with as gentle a, a movement as we can as we move up on along the path as well, climbing up in the garden up to the height behind the house. Here we are, WB8. Let's have a look at this at, at, at close quarters now. Oh my, it is beautiful. Isn't Such it? a beautiful, beautiful red rose. And it'll just keep flowering right through. Yeah, because in fact yesterday I, I, I missed, well I didn't miss one, but I see half of it is still in bloom, so I just left that stem there. But you see the, all those stems that I cut, cut off mm. yesterday? And then to see the new ones... There's one, two, three, yes. four. Yeah, new ones coming up. It so comes just, through quickly yeah, then. Quickly. Yeah, quickly. Yeah. Blue is the colour as we move <laughs> up along again here. Yeah. Look at this. This is the hydrangea here in yeah. blue and, and shades of purple, purple. and maroon and, and you name it. And white. And white stuck in there too. Yeah. Yeah. So again, different varieties. I'm a devil for rescuing hydrangeas. Um, in fact, that huge one, that came from my father's garden. I bought it for him about 25 years ago and planted it here. But we had hailstones three weeks ago. And the hailstones, that's what actually made poor old Annabelle and that one flop. So that's going to get a rejuvenation prune 
this autumn. We do have neutral to acidic soil here, so they are blue. And in fact, this is a case in point here, this one. My sister-in-law bought that and it was beautiful blue. And when she planted it in her garden in Dublin, it went pink. So anyway, that was the end of that. She didn't want a pink hydrangea, so it came to live here. <laughs> and so I send her a photograph every autumn just to annoy her. <laughs> it's fab, isn't it? It's fabulous. So yeah. the soil determines. Yeah, just with the older varieties, like that white um, mop head. And there's mop heads and there's the panicle hydrangeas, as I said, the pointy ones. Do you see on the other side, there's a kind of a dark purple yeah. one, kind of just through there. Some of the newer varieties, I think there's one called the Musical Collection. It's got a guitar on the label. <laughs> and they tend to keep their colour no matter what kind of soil you put but these mm. old fashioned older ones you can buy a colorant if you want to make them blue but that mm. sounds like an awful lot of work mm. to me i mean a pink is lovely i have a beautiful pink one down there yeah. as well i'll show you and then that one is vanilla fraise that starts off white that panicle one there and then that'll turn the most beautiful pink which is fab now you mentioned pruning so you let them flower and die back mm. and then you prune is it no I always wait with Irish winters. I always prune them in the spring. Okay, so don't do anything if you have them and no. you're listening to us. Leave them be till next spring. Absolutely. And then sometimes there's people who say, my hydrangeas never bloom. And again, just it's actually very simple. Those mop head ones, the rounded kind of flower, just leave those. They'll go all brown and everything and they'll look horrible. And next, even probably the end of March, maybe even April, because I have some that I did prune too early down there and I've lost this year's flowers because, now I don't know whether it's an old wives tale or not, but I think it does work. That kind of dead head on the top, the dead last year's bloom, that protects the leaves underneath and that's where your flowers are going to be. Whereas the panicle ones, these pointy ones, those ones you could cut in November if you want. I do tend to do it in February. Because it just literally looks like sticks. It looks like sticks for six months of the year. So you can cut those. See the heavy frame, the base there. What you're trying to do with those, because there's masses and masses of these blooms, you're trying to create this kind of low, sturdy framework. So I cut back to about 18 inches. And then it grows right back up and it's got a strong base to carry those big blooms. Some people uh, shudder when you say cut things so tightly. But it does really prompt growth and it does... Uh, the business that they come back stronger than ever. On yeah. we move up under our friends overhead oh, who yeah. are cackling away there. <laughs> yes. The colony has increased I since I arrived here first. More hydrangeas on our right here. What's yeah. this little genteel fellow really here? Lovely. Isn't that just magnificent? What is that, Rosie? So that's a hydrangea as well, but it's a lace. Is it? Yeah, it's a lace cap. Isn't it lovely? See the little lacy kind yes. of centre. And I again, I treat that like the mop heads. I don't prune it until you know, until late spring. But this bed, you're talking about the drought um, that we did experience. I know people can't remember it at this point. But in May and June, we had no no rain, none. So my husband was out and he saved these by literally putting a sprinkler kind of uh, attached to this big cube of water. And he had a pump and he dragged over electricity and everything. And so that saved those. Yeah. Well worth saving. Definitely. They're beautiful. I think they're gorgeous in oh, that particular. Gorgeous. Yeah, it's lovely. Absolutely gorgeous for sure. And then we come up to a part of the garden where you have your ferns and it, it's more greenery up here right at the top, isn't it, than anything it else at this time? At this time. But if you just look closer as we walk up, do you see the semicircle of limelight hydrangeas over there? I do. Over there? Yes, yes. And then do you see all these heads? Yes. They're in shade, so they're not coming out as quickly. I the see. Same, same plant as the one in the white bed, but you see they're delayed because of the shade, but they're full of blooms because they've had so much water. 
So you're going to have a burst of colour here uh, a little later on. Absolutely. So come, say, end of August mm. and all the way into September. Like you can see, they're already... Yes, of course. The heads are green in them mm. at the minute and they're yeah. just going to push on and yeah. throw out the colour. Yeah, and then that one in there is an oak leaf hydrangea. Do you see the, the leaf? I see it, yeah, yeah. That is more like an oak. And then we've got lovely acers. And again, I mean, I always kind of defend green because green is a colour too. But it is amazing the difference, like you'll see now in autumn when you come back, because then we'll be looking at the autumn colour of the acers mm. here in the background. Even the stems, I've chosen a few that have lovely coloured stems. And then that's a lovely tree fern, yeah. which is doing well. There's another one there in the middle. They're mm. slow growing, but hopefully they'll eventually kind of rise up and have a nice trunk and you'll be able to see them kind of more from a distance. Yeah. Woodland gardens mm. tend to be spring flowering, but you can see the Japanese anemones. They're in there. But, but they're white. But it is so true as we walk on. You're right, because it's often dismissed at times, but green is a beautiful colour yeah. and different shades of green that you have here as well. Yeah. It's absolutely beautiful. It really, really is. Yeah. You have nearly a few different ecosystems within this garden itself. Yes, actually, I, I agree because... You know, this woodland kind of corner here, as you say, green, and all the different shades of green. Mm. And then it will have the colour again. You remember you loved the snowdrops here? Yes. And then, like, the hostas and all of that. But then we'll go from here into a meadow. So it's a, you know, it's it's just you're literally a few steps away and you've got a different yes. kind of an atmos- yeah. atmosphere, if you like. You have a most beautiful, I say it again, most beautiful garden here and so many aspects to it as as we walk on. Oh, I'm looking out into the meadow already. You will be a heroine of the environmental movement with this wild meadow here. Look at the flowers through it, the long grass, an oasis for wildlife. It actually is, even though I am still such an old school person, part of me kind of almost twitches at the the, the mess (laughs) but what we've done to kind of mitigate that is my husband mows this lovely path around it and this I mean we have tried so hard meadows are such hard work I know I said that the last time but I'm going to persist because yesterday I was up here and the butterflies um, and the bees and all sorts of little hoverflies and all sorts of things were all over the place Um, you can see there's the evening primrose Mm. and what I'm doing is I'm putting in perennials that also will survive long grass. And you can see the buttercups have taken over. Now, I put yellow rattle in. All this was kind of ploughed and we'd taken off the top layer to kind of impoverish the soil. We've sowed the yellow rattle. But I remember my father saying years ago, Roisin, once you expose seeds to light and to rain, there'll be kind of hundreds and hundreds of years of seeds in the soil. The the soil is a seed bank. So the grass and the buttercups all grew back. (laughs) A little bit of yellow rattle, but not enough to kind of... But look, I'll keep going. Because I did have a major success earlier in the spring because up there we got our first cuckoo flower. Lovely. So I was delighted with that. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's, it is. It's that's beautiful. the inspiration to keep it going. I like yeah. it. I think it adds a lovely, lovely touch as we walk on along the mode path here yeah. out across to another part of the garden. Look at the views you have out I mean, from this part out over the countryside. It's fabulous, isn't it? Now, what have we here? <laughs> Sorry, I'm just I'm pointing furiously <laughs> at this because this is a beautiful larch and it's one of the pendula ones or the weeping ones but this really has taken the biscuit because it's actually almost parallel to the mm. ground so I said to Port the other day do you think you could kind of you know support that up a bit 
and of course he's a real engineer so he went off and he was thinking of all sorts of things I was saying could you put one of those rocks underneath it so that it would grow over anyway I had foot surgery last November and he used it's my crutch, crutch. <laughs> <laughs> so the crutch is holding it up you know see that where you put your arms through yes. yeah so I just thought that was very funny. brilliant but absolutely lovely. brilliant and- Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out for a chance to win the French Open title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV, live in HD. Don't miss a moment with daily live coverage and match replays on demand, beginning Monday, May 20th. Be there for all the unforgettable moments. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. It is lovely. Into the raised beds here. Yeah. Do you remember this in, I think, when we, this was full of tulips? That's right. And then we had the alliums. So what I did was the tulips are kind of along the, the, the two sides, if you like. There's a row of alliums in the centre. And then on the edges, we have all these dahlias. And they, those all survived uh, last winter in the ground. I planted them deep, but then last November, I cut back all the foliage and we put layers of newspaper and then we get um, a, a mulch, a kind of a compost, just from the recycling centre by the ton. And we wheelbarrow it on and put it on top of the newspaper. And then when the weather was forecast to be really, really bad, a friend of mine was trimming her Leilandi hedge and she gave me some of the branches. And I put the branches of the Leilandi on top again, just to kind of keep a layer. And you can use like a Christmas, an old Christmas tree or something if you mm. wanted to cut off the branches of your Christmas tree. So then that creates a couple of layers of protection against yes. the, the frost. Brilliant. I love dahlias. I see one up here and I have it myself and I absolutely love it. You see this one in here? It's, it's a real uh, deep mauve or maroon with a yeah. white tinge to the leaves. Yeah. They're fantastic. They're such beautiful flowers, aren't yeah. they? They're, they're absolutely gorgeous. That's a gorgeous one. Totally tangerine. In fact, the time when you come back the next time, it'll be they'll be really in bloom. They're only starting mm. now. Mm. Look at the butterflies. See, there's one there. Oh, I see them. Look at Look at all the butterflies here. And the bees are going mad because the sun has just come out, you see. Just show you, you know, if you grow with nature in mind, they will come. I'm going to tell you what these are. See, the, there's five lovely white balls. and they look, Alliums? They're actually, would you believe, I grew onions. These are my old veg beds. And I forgot to, I obviously missed an onion. So last year it came up and it had two, it split. And it had two lovely, of these lovely balls. And I just, it was so pretty, I left it because I couldn't get over the, the butterflies and bees on it last year. So this year I have five. So I'm just leaving it and seeing what it 
Uh, isn't that fabulous? It's so fabulous. it's actually just that's the seed head of an oh, onion. Oh, it's absolutely fabulous. The seed head of an onion and the butterflies Maybe. working away there at the yeah. seed head. It's marvellous. Oh, There's a white butterfly. They're not my friends when no, I'm growing no. cabbage. No. Clear off. Look at those. Look at those. Extremely toxic and poisonous. So you wouldn't be growing it in a, in a, in a garden. What is it? It's... Um, the castor oil plant, ricinus, I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's absolutely gorgeous. In fact, I laughed when I got them the first year because on the seed packet, it, there was a warning. Don't plant them too early or they'll be huge by the time come, say, midsummer. Mm. So I plant them in May. And then, so by the time, let me see, so by late August, they should be up here. Yeah. But I grow them just for the leaf. They're, mm. uh, they're an annual. Now, you can overwinter them, but I couldn't be bothered. That's yeah. way too hard. But they're quite extraordinary, aren't they? Lovely. There you are, the raised beds part of the garden. And look at all the uh, I dahlias. That's uh, one now that you amaze me, that you say you leave the uh, dahlia tubers in the ground because most people say lift them and store them and yeah. put them in from year to year. But there you are, Rosie May has had success with mining them very carefully. Well, it was a lot of work, yeah. but I, it was an experiment. I was kind of overwhelmed last autumn, and I said, I don't know what, I just, the thought of lifting that amount of dahlias and mm. trying to store them, plus I have all you know, other things to store in the greenhouse. <laughs> I mean, imagine, my greenhouse is 18 feet long and I need another one. Isn't that mad? <laughs> so... Along now, here. along here at the bed, as the butterflies continue to <laughs> flutter and go mad and land on everything under the sun, yeah. here we're back to hydrangea again. Absolutely. And these, I'm very proud of these. These were a little rescue. I found these. These are This is hydrangea um, paniculata phantom. And I found them in a garden centre and they were in tiny little pots. And I was looking at them saying, oh, maybe you should pot these on. And then I went, hold on a minute, I'll pot them on because they were only four quid or something. So I bought them only last year, but they're in tiny, tiny pots. And then I put them in and I was really brutal. I cut them right back. And then the result is this, that they've grown into these wonderful, the seven of them. And then this is a little annual. Um, It's actually from Great Dixter. It's a marigold, even though it doesn't look like it because it's much taller. Isn't it lovely? It's marigold. Beautiful. Marigold cinnabar. And a sunflower peeping up and brightening the scene as well in the middle there. All on its ownio. All on its ownio because I didn't plant that. A bird obviously planted that. And then this kind of gap here, if you like, um, there's Penstemon and there was a beautiful tea tree there. And that's the only thing I did lose. Well, apart from a couple of echiums as well. But um, I lost the tea tree. But actually when I read up on it, they're short-lived uh, shrubs and I had it for 15 years. So we couldn't get the root out. So what we did was, that's an old um, water tank and Porrick cut the bottom out of it and we've planted another tea tree um, on top of the... He cut back the tree as much as we could. So it's already got like, what, two or three feet. Mm. So by the time the roots get down there, it'll probably be ready to die back yeah. anyway. You know, Great so. stuff. Yeah. So Great stuff. Absolutely lovely. There is so much to see, so much to enjoy. And I can tell you, if you're listening to us today, are the butterflies and bees and all the insects having a beano here with <laughs> Rosie May in our beautiful garden. Now, we're going to walk down back towards the house. Yeah. And then, we'll, of course, we always finish on the lower part of the garden as well. Yeah. But before we head to the lower part, what are we looking at here now? Look at this. Um, There's a nice little burst of yellow. It is. And we're also looking at a bed that's under reconstruction, if you like. This is the driest bed in the garden, even though there's a lot of dry beds. Because, But we're so lucky because the big, huge trees. Mm. So I've tried lots of things. And you can see I'm going to start digging up um, some of the larger sedums because even they suffered. And I'm going to put in those little low 
ground hugging sedums as we go through the winter. But the yellow, that's um, just a Rudbeckia, um, which I absolutely love for late colour. And again, geranium roseanne. And that's just fennel. So yeah. with the lovely seed head. Yeah, and then on this side, I actually made a mistake. I'm sorry. I have thistle in my mind. It's thistle-like, but it's actually a sea holly, the other one, the blue one. And then that's the globe thistle is, as, as you can see, a lovely blue globe. Yeah. This one is very healthy, but there's one in the other part of the garden. And sometimes, I don't know what's happened, the, leaf, the leaves have curled. Mm. It's some kind of a mite or something. Yeah. So you can see the roses also, um, they've just gone over, but those are flower carpet roses, so there will be more. You can see the new growth yeah. coming in the centre. Another hardy geranium, I think that one is um, Focard or something like that. Nice pampas grass. And then as we come down here, I actually wanted to show you in the courtyard, I wanted to show you a little something. And in fact, <laughs> so much to show you. I wanted to show you that as well. See the little stone there with all the... Oh yes, yes. Let's let's walk over here. Yeah, because you're a big fan of these, aren't you? You absolutely love them. So, so just describe for listeners what we're looking at here. So, just various different uh, succulents and aeoniums, but I do like this one, Starburst. And then I was recently on a trip to Chatsworth with the travel department, and of course you can't bring plants back. So I was like, I always love to bring a plant back, you know, as a memory of my trip. So I brought this one back. A metal. <laughs> Isn't that fab? <laughs> a metal. One. I just thought that was great though. But doesn't it look like a plant? It really does. And you know, yeah. the way you look at the others, you wonder, is that real or is it is not it real? Not? It's yeah, deceptive, that, isn't it? That, that was so my you'll little, have that one all year. That was my little trick. <laughs> lovely, yeah, lovely, I was lovely. Trying, trying to fool everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if many people grow aeoniums as madly as I do, but they are absolutely gorgeous. The only downside is you have to overwinter them inside, yes, you know, which is yes. They wouldn't survive our winters, even if they are mild at times. Now, we're in the courtyard where we've been before as well, and life moves on and the year moves on here too. Again, the aeoniums are in their glory, and with all the rain, I was worried initially that they'd rot, but actually, you know, again, I mean, I mean I've had them for years, but I just keep, you know, researching and saying, you know, do aeoniums, can they put up with the wet? I don't water them, but the rain we've had... Mm is actually probably even too much for them. But they seem to be thriving. Mm. So obviously they don't mind too much. This is a kind of an unusual one because, see, that's um, a Semper Vivum, which is hardy in Ireland, and you can see them over there. And then the Aeoniums, and some clever person in Cornwall mixed the two and made this one, which is a Semponium. So it's a mixture of the two. And you see if a piece breaks off, I just left it there to show you. So you, you do the opposite of what you'd normally do with the cutting you know, normally you'd be in a rush to get that into the ground. Mm. You leave it for three days and you see that forms a callus. Mm. And then when that callus is just really, really hard and dry, then you just stick it into the, into the pot. And away it goes, a little root. Yeah. Fantastic. And we've got lots of, uh, just a bit, again, various different shades yes. there. And the tree ferns are looking in there. Look at them now, because I was here when there wasn't a peep out of them. And look at the size of them now. I know, aren't, aren't they, they fantastic? Amazing. They're amazing. They yeah. really are. Yeah. And what I do with them is in spring, as they start to unfurl, just through the centre, just once I give them a liquid seaweed feed down through the middle. Mm. And that just, that seems to be enough. Well, I mean... The rain here, they're very happy with it. And we walk by, look on your left. Look, 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 look at this. Beautiful. Isn't it amazing? Uh, it's funny, I don't even probably see it anymore. I'm so uh, used to it. But isn't it fabulous? So pink, pink hydrangea and it is just fully in bloom. It's so gorgeous. It and really is. And you know is. why that's pink? Because 
Do you see the the wall? Mm. Um, I actually that wedding cake tree I drove over that with the lawnmower years ago as I told you before so we had to build a wall around it to make sure I never went near it again but we actually brought in soil so the soil is not native so the hydrangea that old fashioned hydrangea went pink because it's sister because they both came from from my father-in-law's house in Galway look at the sister that's the same plant different colour different colour because it's in our native soil just shows you Isn't the soil nice? thing we're back to that as we spoke about yeah. before what is that shrub beside a, the hydrangea there it's a cotinus or a smoke smoke bush because you can see the, the, the flowers are inflorescence mm. they're kind of like, like like you know clouds of smoke and there's a slightly smaller one there a young lady yes. And then that's a grand big nettle right in the middle of the Ah, sure, why not? Why not? <laughs> we head down towards the pond area. Yes, we are um, more hydrangea. It's hydrangea day with Rosie May and I can't say. They're everywhere. Yeah, yeah they're, they're smaller ones. <laughs> <laughs> they're uh, little lime. Mm. I haven't even brought you over there. It's loads of more over there. <laughs> Look at the 30 down there. So down to the pond area and the lower part of the garden, because we were talking the last day we were here, it was so dry. Well, you have plenty of water now and moisture. Plenty of water. And in fact... Look at how happy they are Mm, mm. because this one is the beautifully named Pinky Winky, Hydrangea Pinky Winky. (laughs) And then we've got just, again, flower carpet roses. That unusual looking yoke there, that's an Aurelia and it's called the the Devil's Walking Stick. And if you look close, do you see the spikes on it? I do. So I was going to move it because, of course, you know, you make mistakes when you're planting and I planted it way too close to the other tree, but it can stay because I ain't trying to move that. Look. Don't touch that. Don't touch that. Don't touch so that. Can... Uh, it's lovely. And we look at the pond. It's completely covered in pond weed, which is the norm at yeah. this time of the year. It's thriving within the water. Loads of roses here as we walk yeah. by as well. Yeah. And uh, they've had their day. As you say, there'll be uh, more blooms and you see them you can see the yeah. buds on them there's more yeah. blooms yeah. on the way yeah absolutely and but that's that is important to constantly deadhead which is a pain I have mm. to be honest because you know I, I walk the dog and I go down here and I go oh, and never he seemed to have I either have the clippers and no basket so then there's piles uh, drive Porrick mad because there's piles all over the place and then he wants to cut the lawn and I've got a big pile of cuttings <laughs> and he has to drive around it <laughs> these didn't last long enough for your visit but you can still see them do you see the loveliest stillbies yes I could not grow a stillbies for years and it was too dry so we Porrick made a, a false edge to the pond yeah. and w- once he put the stones in I put in uh, soil and then the the water it's kind of like a blotting paper it mm. just it just kind of wicks up the water mm. at the edge of the pond and then roses as you say more a stillbies to see the dark pink and then we've got just Oh, various different things there's bamboo but to see the huge leaves massive aren't, aren't they interesting can you manage to yes to... they're like giant rhubarb in the pond as well or at the back yeah. the backdrop of the pond yeah that's a big gunnera and that's one of the first things we planted um, that was pro- that's probably about 20 years old because it literally was the, the first mm. um, year we moved in and then that one over there is Darmera palata Uh, and then this one here is Ponticum and then look at this beautiful isn't that just gorgeous that's Mm. um, very unusual Aram it's uh, called Flamingo Mm. and if you just listen for a second can you hear that to hear the water yes yes let's walk through before we finish today along the edge of the pond and I certainly can hear the water like Should that. be dry at this time of the year, yeah. and yet the water is flowing away there, bubbling Absolutely. along. Yeah. And just so that I know there's a lot more hydrangeas there, but look, that's a ligularia. <laughs> <laughs> so just to have something different. Uh, again, they love the edge of the pond, yeah. and there's a, that tall one over there is another ligularia. 
So lots, Terrific. lots more kind of interest here. Lots Before we go down lots to more, to see. Look at this. Here we go. We started, so we got to finish with them. Our final call on the hydrangeas today yeah. in Rosie May's garden. So final word about them. Tell, tell me about these ones here. Well, again, these are just like a lot of the old-fashioned hydrangeas, and we had, you know, kind of put the gravel down here. And I decided we weren't going to really plant anything, and of course, then I started planting. And what did I plant? Hydrangeas, <laughs> <laughs> just because it's lovely and shady, yeah. and they're very happy. Hydrangeas and ferns, as you can see, just further down there, lots and lots. And I just love the old-fashioned mm. mophead varieties, mm. and they're very happy there. So why they're not? Very happy is right. Well, listen, thank you so much again for hosting me in your wonderful gardens and giving us a, another view this August time and uh, I do feel the softness beneath my yes. feet in the lower part of the garden here yes. it's unbelievable to think that we're in August and it's like this yeah absolutely and again remember the last time we were here this was so dry and I was explaining we'd planted that willow mm-hmm. the weeping willow and that almost honestly in June it just lost all its leaves and it looked really unhealthy and look at it now but there's one thing for sure Hydrangeas rule in August in Rosie May's wonderful gardens. Thank you for inviting me again. See you soon. See you soon.